had a good laugh when I saw those and I thought to myself, man, we make a few mistakes. Hands up if you made a few mistakes. My goodness, I made a few mistakes, but I tell you, you know, we can make a lot of mistakes. One of the things I don't want to make us a mistake in is in regards to winning our community, in regards to uh, winning the loss. And uh, man, I, I, I just, I've just loved the last, uh, you know, 24 hours I've had here in the Hawke's Bay region. What a beautiful place this is. But I tell you, there's a whole lot of people that are around here that you know don't know Jesus Christ. You live next to them, you work with them, you go to school with them, you study with them. They're people that are looking for answers. They've tried to find it in the alcohol, they've tried to find it in the drugs, they've tried to find it in the television, and none of those things have happened. We know we've got the answer, and that answer's in Jesus Christ. And uh, what I want to do tonight is I want to just inject, I tell you, that my passion is winning loss. My passion, I mean, of the fivefold, I'm an evangelist. I just want to see people come into the kingdom of God. And so tonight, if I want to do anything, I just want to inject you with that passion for winning this community, for winning the lost, believing for salvation to come to this region, revival breaking out. And I tell you, at the end of the day, it's just all about us getting ready, getting ourselves positioned in a place so that we can win the lost for Jesus Christ. Uh, Why don't we stand to our feet? We're going to pray right now. And uh, the scripture I read this morning, uh, I'm going to go over it really shortly because I want to use this morning as a springboard to go where I'm tonight. But one of the uh, snippets of the, the verses that I had in there is that a bigger looked at the man of God. It was Peter and John. And it said that he looked at them, he gave them their attention, expecting to get something. And uh, that's what I want to do tonight. I want to challenge you tonight is, is be on the edge of your seat. And, uh, you know, don't look to me because uh, I ain't got nothing to offer. It, it's Jesus Christ that's got something to offer. It's God. It's the Holy Ghost that's in this room that's ready to hand out gifts to people in this place. Look, give your attention, expect to receive something. Lift your hands across this room. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that you're an unbelievable God. We thank you, God, that you've done amazing things in our lives. But Lord, right now we look to our community, Lord God. Father, we look to our friends, our family that don't know you. And God, we call on you. Father, we want the spirit of evangelism, Lord God. The heart that wants to win the souls of this community in the name of Jesus. Father, use me, Lord God. I'm an instrument for you, Lord God. In Jesus' name, I pray you come in power and speak to these people. In Jesus' name, amen. Tell the person next to you, get ready, get ready, get ready. You can grab your seats. So I started off telling a story of a beggar that was taken to a gate called Beautiful. It was on the edge of a temple. What took place is he was there begging daily. He was crippled from birth. And what took place was is that one day Peter and John were going to pray. And as they're walking past them, this beggar, he, he's there and he's eating you know, money, food, anything, sir. And what happens is, is that, you know, he looks to them and, and, he, and he's expecting to get something from them. But what takes place is, is that the man of God, he says to him, he says, silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And it says he took him by the right hand, he lifted him to his feet, and at that point, strength came into his feet. What took place is that he he started to shout, he started to walk for the first time in his life, he could move into the temple courts. And he goes into the place where God dwells, and he's shouting, he's he's excited, he's he's pumped. And what happens is the crowd gets drawn, and Peter uses it as an opportunity. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 3. Actually, go to Acts chapter 4. And so what happens is, is that 
a crowd is drawn. Peter preaches the word of God. And it says there that as a result of that, there were 2,000 people added to the church. But what takes place is while this is going on, the temple guards, the religious leaders come and they arrest Peter, John and this beggar. And they take a hold of him and they put him in a cell overnight. The following morning, what takes place is that it is a court case. They're given an opportunity to give a reason for why they did what they did. Understand that not long before this, they had actually tried to stop a man by the name of Jesus, who was the son of God, who came to that region. He had tipped it in and, and uh, he, you know, he'd done the miracles. He'd seen uh, blind people see, deaf ears open up, dumb talk, the, the, the lame start walking. And the religious leaders weren't happy with this. And so they did what they schemed any way they could to stop Jesus from you know, doing his miraculous works. They take him and they put him on a cross and they die. They think that that's the answer. If we can just get rid of Jesus, we can get rid of this. But unfortunately, what happens is they didn't realize that in a closed room at one point, Jesus spoke to his disciples and said, I want you to go. I want you to go and be my disciples. And I want you to go and preach the gospel. And so here we have men and women of God that are going forth and doing the miraculous works that Jesus performed. And what takes place is, is that in this court case, they, they, all, they all get around and, and Peter preaches and, and he gives an account for what he has to say. If you look at verses 12, he says, salvation is found in no one else. But there's no other name under heaven given to man by which we must be saved. And I want you to know this is that, you know, there is nothing this planet can offer. You know, some people, they turn up and, and they say, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in, in, in Jesus. Now, each to their own, you can, you know, do what you please. But, you know, those people, they say Jesus' name all the time. I mean, they're walking along. They, they kick their toe and they go, Jesus. I mean, you don't even see anyone kick their toe and go, oh, Buddha. Or Allah. You never see them kick their toe and go, Helen Clark. There's power in the name of Jesus. No other name. Oh, yeah, there are other religions that have come. And yeah, they may have been people that were alive on planet Earth. But the thing is, they died. Jesus died. But the only difference is, is that our God, Jesus Christ, three days later, rose from the dead and he's alive today. There's no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. And then when they finished up there, the following verse, one of my favorite scriptures of the Bible, it says this, verses 13 of chapter 4 of the book of Acts. It said, when they saw the courage, oh goodness, my voice is cracking. Must be going through puberty. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, and they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Now, I want, want to get this, this, this picture across before I unfold the scripture. The bigger, the prior day, that morning he was taken to the temple gate. At that point, he couldn't walk. He was stuck. He, he was in a lying position. He, he's, he, he, he's, he can't move. He can't go anywhere. Understand that if you're in that lying position in your spirit, you can't go anywhere for God. You can't stand up and speak up for God. God doesn't want us. He doesn't want his church to be in a lying position in a crippled, paralyzed state. He needs, needs us to be in a standing position. So this morning, my message was about how you can change your world, about getting yourself up into the standing position. We're now looking now how we can make a difference in the world, in the Bay of Plenty. Uh, sorry, not the Bay of Plenty. Let's go. The Hawks Bay. Let's get that right. Across this region, right? We want to make a difference in our world. We want to make a difference with our family and our friends. 
And it says here in the scripture that after he said what he said here, he said that they looked at these men and they saw the courage of these two men. And they noted that they were just ordinary people. They, it says that they were ordinary unschooled people, but they took note of these men had been with Jesus. I read the scripture and I thought, hey, you know, they were ordinary. They were just, you know, they didn't come from any celebrity status. They weren't from any royal family. They were just ordinary people. And some of you in this place, you know, sometimes feel ordinary. You feel like you have, you know, no, no power or influence around the place. I understand this is that Peter and John, they were just ordinary people. They were just like you and I. I mean, you know, these guys are just looking and go, oh, hey, you were nobody. You are a nobody. And I want you to know this is that, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of us are nobodies. We are all nobodies. But the thing is this, is that we've got Jesus on our side. It says that they were ordinary, unschooled. In other words, they were uneducated. I can just see the priest going, who are you? I mean, I've never seen you at the Jerusalem Bible College. You're not wearing the, the, the collars that the, and the robes that the rest of us are wearing. You, you don't really communicate as, as clearly as, as some of us religious leaders. Hallelujah. They were just unschooled. And do you know what? You know, sometimes we feel like we need to have an education to win a community. We feel like, man, I don't know enough. I, I, I just don't think I've got a right, you know, enough information up here to, to, to win a community. But I tell you, the thing is that these guys had neither of those things. They were ordinary, unschooled people. They had nothing really to offer as far as the world was concerned. See, the world wanted looks at our education. And by the way, young people get a good education. I'm not telling you you can drop out of school. I'm not telling you to do that at all. We need to be the best in our school. We need to be you know, advancing there. But the thing is this, is that they, they were unschooled, ordinary men. But what they took note of is that these men had been with Jesus. They realized, see, these guys, they're ordinary. They're, 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 they have no celebrity. They're just ordinary. But these men have been with Jesus. They just spent three and a half years hanging out with the man. Jesus Christ. You want to make a difference in your world? Point number one is you need to spend time with Jesus. Beginning of this year, it was February of this year, I was sleeping, middle of the night. Five o'clock in the morning, I get woken up. And that's not normally the time I like to wake up. Who's a five o'clock, you know, waker? A few hands go across the room. Who are night people here? Any night people here? Who are morning people here? Who are neither? <laughs> I get woken up at five o'clock, five o'clock in the morning. And it's not like a, oh, and take half an hour to get myself. I'm woken up, boom. And I hear these words. Do you want to be a man of God? I knew straight away it was the voice of God speaking to me. Do you want to be a man? I was like, yeah, I want to be a man of God. I'm your man, God. I'm your man. But do you realize it's five o'clock in the morning? And what happens is I go back to sleep. 5.30, and understand, half an hour later to the dot, 5.30, I wake up and I hear, do you want to be a man of God? And I was like, yes, God, I thought I told you half an hour ago, five o'clock, I want to be a man of God. Now, I knew what God was trying to get me to do. I, you understand that I had a relationship with God and I had my time with God. It wasn't the greatest, but I knew that God was saying to me, I want you to step up. I want you to go to new ground. He was pressing me on to go to new ground in my relationship with him. 
I mean, I, I just had my 10-year wedding anniversary. That's exciting. Just had my 10-year wedding anniversary. And do you know what? Every single year, I've got to know my wife better and better, and I've got closer and closer to her. I mean, imagine if I had the same relationship I had with her when I first got married. It just wouldn't cut it. And the thing is this, is that God doesn't intend us just to stay in the same level of relationship with Him. God speaks to me, do you want to be a man of God? Yes, God, I told you that. I go back to sleep. Six o'clock I wake up. This time it's not a voice. This is, it's dumb kookaburras. Now, I started to have these birds, two of them, these birds, they're right outside my window in a tree. And they make these, this weird sound, I can't even do it properly. And at the top of their, you know, their voice, their beaks or whatever, they're loud. And I'm going, shut up! And then I hear, do you want to be a man of God? Yes, God. I believe I told you at 5 o'clock, 5.30, and I'm telling you now, I want to be a man of God. I'm your man. <laughs> go back to sleep. I wake up at 8, 8 o'clock and uh, go on with my day. Following day, 5 o'clock on the dot, 5 a.m., I wake up. And I hear, do you want to be a man of God? Yeah, I want to be a man of God. Now, I thought we had this conversation yesterday, God, at 5 o'clock, 5.30 and 6 o'clock. I'm your man. <laughs> Same thing happens at 5.30. Yeah, I get woken up. 6 o'clock, I get woken up again. Do you want to be a man of God? Now, I started to figure out by this point, God speaking to me. I think he was speaking to me, right? But it wasn't long after that that I established something in my life. See, I, I, I realized God was stepping me up in my personal time with Him. And He wanted to take me to a new territory in His relationship with Him. And today, you know, every, every morning I wake up and I want to give the first part of my day to God. I mean, I, I find myself just going out and I pace out in a park or wherever I'm at if I'm traveling. Like this morning I was out walking around a, a cemetery and uh, what a great place to pray that was. And I'm just, you know, I'm praying, I'm seeking God. Why? Because I want to build my relationship with Jesus. And I don't want to start off with giving him a shopping list. Oh, God, save my mum. And yeah, she's already saved. But, you know, she, God, God, you know, give me more money and get, 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 give me, help my kids. And, and those prayers are okay. And there's a place for those things. But, man, I come to God and it's like, God, I just love you. You're so incredible. You're so amazing. You're so... Man, that's the closest kind of prayer you can have is when you can just come to Him and just love on Him and tell Him how wonderful He is. I mean, you know, how would it be if I go up to my wife and just say, oh, you know, give me some breakfast. Bring me the remote. Go and bath the children. I need a massage. Oh, can you go to the other room, please? Do you, do you know what I mean? Like I could go with a shopping list to my wife and say, do this, do this, do this, do this. And I tell you, after a while, she will slap me. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, and, and that's what we're like with God sometimes. But I tell you, there's times where I need to lay aside my needs and wants and just go, darling, you are the most beautiful thing on the planet Earth. My goodness, you're incredible. I wouldn't be who I am today without you, darling. And that, that's what it's got to be with our relationship with God. And so we want to win a community. Understand this. Number one, we need to have relationship with Jesus Christ. They took note that these men had been with Jesus. 
So my question is, is when was the last time you spent time with Jesus? Now, I won't come down and ask you all. Because it might make a few of you nervous. But we need to be people that are spending time with Jesus. Point number two is don't stay silent. I want you to turn over to the book of Esther. The book of Esther, chapter 4, verses 14. So here we have a story of a king who who dictated a, a, a specific region. Not only did his particular nation, I mean, he had, a, he had other nations captive to himself. And what happens is, is that one day he's having a banquet. It says in the book of Esther leading up to this particular scripture that there was a banquet where they had a, a, a banquet that lasted seven days. Unlimited food, unlimited drink. I mean, and, and what happens is on the seventh day, the king decides, I want my wife to come out and shoot her to do a dance. I mean, the guys have been drinking, they're drunk. They're... And what happens is, is, that, is, is that he wants his wife to come and dance before the men. And, and, and she gets this message and she goes, I don't, I don't want to go. I'm not going to go and parade myself in front of a whole lot of drunken men. I don't want to hear their abuse and, and, and for them to say, I, I'm not going. And so she refuses to come. What happens is, is, that, is that straight away she... You know, she, she, she does that. And it goes back to the king. All the king's uh, officials hear this. And they say, king, you, you need to do something about this. I mean, if you, if, if, if you don't do something about this, then women right across this land will revolt and they will rise up against us. And then we're going to have a problem. And we don't want that to happen. I mean, isn't it great when women rise up and do something great? But, but the thing is, so what happens is that they, the king goes along and he strips her for her crown. He, he takes the crown. He, you're no longer my queen. What happens is after a while, the, the officials come to him and say, Hey, king, this is what we think we should do. We, we reckon we're going to go on the land. We'll get some talent uh, you know, people and we'll, we'll go out and we're going to pick the most beautiful woman in the land and we'll bring them back to the king. We'll, we'll get them all prepared and then we'll have a beauty pageant. And uh, what will happen is, is that you, you, you can choose for yourself a queen. This is the first beauty pageant in history. It's recorded. And what happens is, is he goes, Let me think about it. Mm, okay. And so what happens is they go in the land and they find beautiful women from all over the place. One of the girls that they pick is a girl by the name of Esther. Esther is a beautiful woman. And they prepare her, they dip, you know, get her to bathe in you know, perfume and they make her look good, put makeup on. And what happens is the beauty pageant comes and you know, so they have the, the, the nightwear you know, thing and she goes down and she, she does her, her struts and then they go back and then they do the swimsuit, uh, you know, poses, their lingerie poses, and then, uh, you know, the day wear, and they, they do all these things, and, and the thing is this, is that the king is looking, and, and he's excited, I mean, you know, okay guys, if you think I need to have a, uh, uh, any, okay, any one of these would be good, but there was one that stuck out, one of them that was just amazing, her name was Esther, and he looks at her and he goes, wow, I wanted her to be my queen, and so what takes place is he marries her, she becomes his queen. But he doesn't realize that she's not from that land. She's actually an Israelite that's captive in that land. So she marries. And what happens is, is that she's a queen now. But what happens is the Israelites at the time, they start prospering. I mean, they are multiplying people. They, 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 you know, they, they're getting abundantly prospered financially. Their crops are growing. Their animals are growing. And they're starting to get more and more influential in the land. 
One of the king's officials, his name's Haman. That's an interesting name. What do you say to him when you go up to him? Haman, Haman. So they go up to Haman. So Haman finally goes up to the king and says, King, uh, we've got a problem. He tells him about you know, how they're growing, prospering. And he says, we're going to do something about it. If we don't do something about it, what's going to take place is that they're going to rise up. They're going to take over your kingdom. And then we're going to have a problem. The king says, what do you reckon we should do? He goes, I reckon you should uh, you know, make a law, put a decree out that on such and such date, uh, we're going to wipe out every Israelite. And he goes, great, whatever you think needs doing, you do it. So the, the message is, guy, Esther doesn't realize it. But what happens is Esther's uncle, his name's Mordecai. Mordecai hears about it. And Mordecai knows that there's nothing they can do. And what happens is that he goes up and he says uh, to Esther, you need to do something about this. And this is where we come to Esther chapter 4, verses 14. He says to Esther, if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will rise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows that you've come to a royal position for such a time as this. Point number one is don't stay silent. He says, if you remain silent at this time, and I want you to know this, it's so easy at times to remain silent. It's so easy to, to hold back. I mean, the devil just wants to do his best to mute his church, to, to quieten up people, to, to, to get their mouths closed. But Jesus told us when he left this planet, I want you to go and I want you to preach the gospel to all creation. Every man and woman on planet earth needs to hear the gospel of what I've done. The fact that I died on the cross for their sins, I've forgiven them. And if they just come to me, they will have eternal destiny in heaven with me. And so, so, so the, he tells them to go, but so the, the devil knows the power is in the gospel. And so what he does is he tries to quiet us. And so all, every single one of us in this place, you know, we want to win our friends, our community, number one. It was point number two is don't remain silent. Speak up. Speak up. Point number three is don't live in regret. It goes on to say, if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise from another place. When I read this and I started breaking this down, relief and deliverance will rise from another place. I closed my eyes and I just meditated on the scripture and I had this vision. And in this vision, what took place was I, I saw myself walk into a stadium. This is a stadium with tens of thousands of seats and what was happening is, that, is I found myself sitting in the top three rows, one of those rows, and I'm looking down, and we're, we're talking a Ted-seated stadium with tens of thousands of people uh, in this place. I'm looking down, and straight away I felt energy in the place. I felt the presence of God. And what happened was is I, I, I'm looking, and, and, and straight away the praise and worship team, and they were anointed. I tell you, the presence of God turned up in the place. The next thing, the preacher was up on the stage preaching the Word of God. And as he's preaching, he's throwing his arms. And I notice as he throws his arms, the guy that's on the end of the seat gets thrown off. I mean, the power is so intense. When he throws his arms, people have been thrown off their seats in the power of God. What happens is he's preaching. I'm noticing people that are, that are sick. The blind just pop. Their eyes open up. They start seeing. Deaf start hearing. The, the, the people start you know, praying. They never talked before, but boom. The, 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 the lame, they're the throwing down their, their crutches. They're, they're getting out of their wheelchairs and they're, they're starting to walk. And man, I'm sitting there amazed. Next thing I notice, people running down the front, giving their life to Jesus, coming to Jesus Christ. I'm sitting there. This is amazing, God. And then it finished. And then I heard these words, Terry, that was meant to be you up there preaching. 
I was like, whoa. And I realized this. That scripture says, if you remain silent this time, relief and deliverance will rise from another place. Understand that God has called us to go and preach the gospel. That doesn't mean you're standing on the corner and downtown of Hastings preaching the word. But, you know, you can preach. You can, you, you can communicate one-on-one with someone. But see, if we don't do what God's called us to do, what's going to take place? As it says that relief and deliverance will rise from another place. I don't want to live in regret. I don't want to be a man that, that lives in regret and, and, and looks back on the fact that, man, I had an opportunity to do something, but nothing took place. I remember as a youth pastor in Auckland, there was a kid that had been uh, in trouble with the law. He was an unsaved, unchurched kid. He needed to do community service hours. His mum came to me and said, can you help out? And said, that's fine. He comes down to the church and uh, we get him to do some you know, manual labor around the church. And, and I'm really prompted by God. Go and witness them. Tell them the gospel. Now, I knew that he had several hours to, to, to work on. And, and so I'm thinking to myself, well, I've got some time. I want to build some relationship. I don't want to go in with a two by four and whack him over the head. I, I just want to ease it in. But I'm prompted. Go now. But what I do is I'm like, no, 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 I've got some time. And I leave it. He meant to turn up the following day. He doesn't show up. The next day, he doesn't show up. The next day, he doesn't show up. Week goes by, two weeks go by, and then I get a phone call. What had happened was is that that, uh, you know, that particular day, he'd got in his car. Someone else was driving his car. It had been raining, and uh, he was going past his old school. And the school was on a bend. And it was a, uh, that particular bend was like a 40k zone, but it, it, as he was going around the corner, they were going a lot faster. It was raining. He lost control. The guy spun around and he hit a pole right where this kid was sitting. Straight away, he was put into intensive care. I get a phone call. Can you come and, I don't know. I, I, I rushed down to the hospital. I barely knew the family. But I'm in there. How am I going? God, I had an opportunity. And I did nothing about it. And I have regret for it. Now listen to me. While he was in intensive care, while his, you know, his heart was still beating, I got to witness to him. I got to lead him in a prayer of salvation. I don't know if he responded. God is powerful and uh, he will work. That's in his hands. But I, I live in regret for that. I had an opportunity and did nothing about it. When I was in high school, I, I, I was a Christian brought up in church. I, I was going to church on Sunday, but I lived another lifestyle in school. And what happened was, is that I'd be in school and I didn't want people to know that I was a Christian. So, so what I would do is I would go and find Christians. I'd sit in class and go, everyone, guess what? <laughs> He's a Christian. And I would get people to mock him because I didn't want the attention to come on myself. But while I'm doing that, I'm getting grieved on the inside of me. And I look back and I go, I missed my opportunity when I was in school. The thing is this, is it says that, Relief and deliverance arise from another place. Understand this. This is how good God is. Is that if we don't do what God's called us to do, and understand every one of us has got a calling and a destiny, a plan, a purpose statement for our life. But if we don't do it, God's going to raise someone else up to do the job. Other people are going to rise up and do that. And so we don't want to live in regret. But then that scripture goes on to say this. But in the meantime, you and your family will perish. And unfortunately, if we don't do what God's called us to do, how, you know, I look back at my high school time and I just go, man, how many people may have died or, or may have missed out on the gospel? And praise God that God's going to raise up people. But in the meantime, how many people are going to perish for not knowing the gospel of Jesus Christ and not having a relationship with Jesus Christ? Relief and deliverance will rise from another place. And, and so, so what happens is, is that, is, is that you can have regret. 
And, and sometimes the reason people don't speak up and, the, and they don't do anything about it is because they've got these fears. And sometimes they say, oh, Kerry, you don't understand. I mean, you, you, oh, I'm just too young. I don't think I can do anything about it. Well, how, try this one on. My daughter, when she was six, you know how, you know, young age they have show and tell or they get up and they're meant to, you know, talk about something that's going on in their world and, you know, take along their best toy and talk in front of the class. One particular week, Michaela, she gets up in front of the class and she decides to tell the class about church and tell them about Jesus Christ. And uh, there was such an, you know, and the people were so intrigued, the teacher stopped and rather than said, okay, you can sit down, she said, do any of you kids have any questions? And what happens is, is that kids are asking you, lifting their hands, and it's like, well, where is God? And uh, he's in heaven. And they asked all these questions. She was able to give the gospel in a six-year-old language. Don't tell me you can't do anything about it. If a six-year-old can do it, you can do it. How about this? Not long after that, playtime, interval, recess. They just, uh, you know, she was hanging out with a friend. And she said to her, do, do you know, you know, do you believe in God? To her unsaved, unchurched kid. Do you know God? And she, she, go, she goes, oh, no, I don't think I really believe in him. She said, well, do you know you can have him in your heart? And she goes, oh, really? And she goes, how do you do that? And she goes, you just pray a prayer. Do you want to ask Jesus into your heart? And she goes, okay. And so she, she put her hands together and she led her in a prayer to Jesus Christ at six years of age. I live in regret. Five-year-old boy. In uh, South Auckland, his mum and dad had separated. Dad had got on fire for God. Took the kids along to church. The kids were turned around. Mum was unsaved. She goes around to the house. It was her chance, her, her, her weekend with the kids. She turns up. She's sick. She's got a sore stomach. She goes up in there and she's like, I'm feeling really bad, really sick. This little boy says, well, you don't have to have that. And she goes, what are you talking about? And she goes, well, Jesus can heal you. And before she said anything, this little boy ran over, put his hands on his stomach and said, Jesus, heal my mummy. Straight away, he was healed. She was healed. Five-year-old kid. Don't tell me you're too young. Oh, but you know, I'm too old. You're never too old. Moses was 80 when he stepped into the wilderness with the Israelites, when he started to pursue his destiny. Don't tell me you're too old. I don't know enough. Listen to me. I did three years study in, uh, it was NZC, electronics and computer technology. It was basically study of hardware and software and computers. And what happened was, is that, you know, I, I did three years of electronics. And do you know what? I don't know everything there is about electronics. But what I do know is if I want the lights to come on in the place, I just go over the board there and flick the switch and the lights come on. You don't need to know everything about the Bible. You don't need to know everything about God. Guess what? I don't. Your pastors don't. There's so much about God we don't know. But you just need to know the basics to lead someone to Jesus. You just need the basics just to step out of the boat and go and witness to your friends. So don't live in regret. Point number four is that you understand you're born for such a time as this. You're born for such a time as this. He says to her, but who knows, you've come to royal position for such a time as this. So often we can be in that place where we're thinking, oh, 
you know, one day I'm going to do something great for God. Or next year I'm just going to step out. Next year when, I, when I've just got a little bit more on my side, then I'll start a connect group. Or I'll get involved in children's ministry. Or I'll get involved in youth ministry. I'm going to get involved in, in, in serving in the church. I'm going to be a technical. I'm going to do something. I'm going to go witness to someone. And it's all about the future. But he says, but who knows? You've been born for such a time as this. Understand that you ain't been born for another day. Oh yeah, you've got a great future, but understand right here, right now, September 2006, God has got something for you here, right here, right now. Did I get that right or we just crossed into October? October, October 1st, there we go. But you've been born for such a time as this, right now, right here. And I think about that and I realize, Terry, born now. Now, born, here, Kerry, right here, right now, 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 Dave, now, right here, now, right where you're at, now, God has, you're born for such a time as this, listen to me, you don't need to hold back, you don't need to back off and wait for the right moment, he's already told you to go into the world and preach the gospel, your time is now, now for this church, now for this church, been born for such a time as this. At the end of the day, there there may be a whole lot of tools and things we can learn about evangelism. But understand that God is on your side. You've been born for now. I'd love every eye to close right now. That's the praise and worship team to come. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. I'll just have the keyboardists play. Thank you, Jesus. Go for a keyboardist. I'm going to finish with this story. There's this beggar. And this beggar was, had his plot in a particular marketplace. People would come past him and said, silver and gold. Hey, you know, be, be, you know, can I have some food? Can I, can, anything, sir. Money, food for the poor, anything, sir. Dying wife at home, kids sick, anything, money. What happens is, 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 is that one day he hears that the richest man in the land, the emperor, is going to be coming through that part of the town. And what happens is, is as he, as he hears about them, I mean, he hears the stories about how this emperor changed Beggars' lives, made them rich, turned their lives around. What happens is he, he realizes, man, this could be my time. He runs home, goes up to his wife, gets what, wifey? I'm going to be rich. I'm going to be rich. You don't have to close your eyes right now, by the way. You can look. I'm going to be rich. Tells his little boy, any toy you want is yours. He's excited, man. He tells his neighbors. Night before, man, he can't sleep. So he's down at the marketplace nice and early. And he finds his plot of land, man. He, he, he's in that marketplace. Day goes by, nothing takes place. But then he hears a rumble. And he looks in the distance and he sees a cloud of dust. And out of the middle of the cloud of dust comes his soldiers. Here comes the emperor, the richest man in the land. I mean, he had the armies there with him. His servants are there. They're carrying his jewels. They're they're carrying his crown. They're they're walking through. There's elephants. There's camels. And they're walking through the land. 
through this marketplace and as they come past him, he notices right in the middle is a man on an elephant, the emperor, the richest man, the most powerful man in the land. And as he comes past, I mean, the place, the market had stopped. They're, they're looking, they're respecting, honoring the top of his voice. He says, emperor, money, food for the poor. You've got to understand, he is the most powerful. You don't speak out of place. Straight away, get body, you know, his bodyguards come running over with spears. About to kill him. You, you don't speak out to the emperor like that. What happens is, is the king, the emperor says, stop. Whole place stops. Emperor gets off his elephant. He comes down walking towards him. He doesn't say anything, but he notices there's something around his neck. At that point, the beggar said, money, food for the poor. I've got a wife dying at home, a kid sick and anything, sir. Emperor notices a pouch around his neck. And he says, what's in that pouch? And he says, uh, well, this is where I put all my my money and food that I get, I put it in my pouch and that's what I take home. That day he'd been given five grains of rice. Just five grains of rice. And the emperor says to him, look, I want what's in that pouch. I mean, the beggar, he couldn't believe us. What, the richest man in the land, the most powerful man in the land, asking a beggar for what little he's got. He wasn't going to argue about it. And so what he does is he tips out one, two, three grains of rice conceals the other two in his pouch and emperor wasn't to know and he he takes it and he puts it into the emperor's hand the emperor doesn't say anything turns around gets up on his elephant move on whole army start moving off and proceed through the rest of the market here's the bigger and he can't believe it I mean he's angry he's upset on his knees and he's a the richest man in the land took money from a beggar he's angry <laughs> but then he was disappointed because he could see his wife the promises and the embarrassment that, that he's going to go through because he'd promised so many things he starts to cry and after 10 15 minutes of crying he, he wipes his, his eyes and he notices uh, in front of him uh, something sparkling in him he wipes his eyes it's the biggest diamond he's ever seen in his life. He picks up the diamond. Out of the glance of his right eye, he sees another diamond. And he reaches two of the biggest diamonds. He stands to his feet. And he's looking around. And then he sees the third, the final diamond on the ground. He picks it up. Oh, three of the massive, biggest diamonds he'd ever seen. And he realized, I've given three grains of rice. He's given me three diamonds, three grams of rice, three diamonds. And then realize, what if I give him everything I had? What if I given him everything I had? Oh, he, he stood up, he went out the road and he's like, Emperor! Emperor! If only I'd known I would have given you everything I had! Emperor! It was too late by that point. Passed over the, the hilltop. The reason to tell you that story is this. It's one day every single one of us in this place is going to stand before the creators or the creator of the heavens and earth. His name's Jesus Christ. I mean, on that day, understand this, man. You, you, you're going to be amazed. I mean, you're going to look beyond it. You'll see the gold roads. You'll see the majesty and how wonderful heaven is. 
But you know what? That's going to be nothing. You're going to be just looking straight at Jesus. You're going to be so intrigued. This is the Creator. This is God. And you look at Him and you'll say, If only I'd known. Jesus, I would have given you everything I had. I love every eye to close in this place right now. If only I'd known, I would have given you everything I had, Jesus. Tonight, you may have been invited along. Maybe this is the first time you've been in a church. First time you've heard something like this. Understand that Jesus Christ is alive today. And He desires to have relationship with you. You can walk out of this place tonight knowing that Jesus is in your life. And knowing that you're going to go to heaven. See, if you choose to do your own thing, live your own life, live your own way, then when you pass from this life to the next, there's only one place for you. It's called hell. We've all got sin in our life. But see, Jesus came. He died on the cross for your sin. He loved you so much that He sent His Son to die for you. Tonight you can give your life to Jesus. Maybe you're backslidden. Maybe you've given your life to Jesus, but something took place and, and you haven't been in church or you, you, you're just living backslidden. Thirdly, maybe you don't have that 100% relationship with Jesus. Jesus, if only I'd known, I would have given you everything I had. On the count of three, I'm going to ask people to lift their hands across this room. If you fall into one of those gaps, you're never given your life to Jesus, you're back sitting on you know you don't have a 100% relationship with Him. I'd ask you to slip your hand up and say, Kerry, I, I want to give my life to Jesus. On the count of three, one, lift it high, lift it strong. Two, don't worry about your friends and family. Three, come on, lift your hands right across this room. Hands going up. Come on, lift them high, lift them strong. It's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. Is anyone else 20, 21? Is anyone else in this place to say, Hey, Kerry, I want to give my life to Jesus. I need to know Jesus Christ is in my life. You can put your hands down. Is anyone else in this place that says, Hey, I, I need to give. Thank you. I see that hand. There's another hand that went up. Yeah, I saw your hand before. Get on your girls. Is anyone else in this place to say, Hey, Kerry, I need to give my life to Jesus. I can't walk out of this place. If only I'd known Jesus. I would have given you everything I had. Holy Ghost. Just all those people that put their hands up before, just lift your hands one more time. Just want to see all those hands. Awesome. You can put them down now. You can open up your eyes. Just have a look at me right now. This is awesome. Hands went up all over the room. And do you know what? Some of these people may have done it before. Maybe. Do you know what? Guys, girls... That's you, don't worry. That's awesome. There were kids that did it. And you know what I love when kids do it? I love seeing kids come to Jesus. Let's never stop kids coming to Jesus Christ. What we're going to do is this. is that You put your hand up and there's at least 20 hands I saw counted out that went up. What I want you to do is I want you just to slip out of your seats, come down the front. Parents, why don't you bring your kids? If you've got... A friend that you bought a long time. You come with your friend down the front here. We're going to lead you in a prayer to Jesus Christ. So let's stand on our feet. Let's put our hands together. as people right across this place. Just slip out of the seats and come down the front. Awesome. Hey. What's your name? Good to meet you. Come on, dude. 
Just make one line. If you're, you're down here to give your life to Jesus, just come and just make one long line. This is awesome. Come on, put our hands together for Jesus. This is awesome. 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 Hey, buddy. What's your name? Good to meet you, mate. Hey, buddy. Awesome. Understand, guys, girls, that what you're doing right here is the greatest decision. The greatest decision greatest decision you're making in your life and what we're going to do is this is I'm going to pray a prayer right now you come down as well that's awesome man oh, you keep coming man if you, if you need to come you come maybe you brought someone with you you can say to them hey I'll, I'll come with you to the front awesome 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 so what we're going to do is this, is I'm going to say some words and all I'm going to want you to do is just close your eyes. You, you know, if someone came to you and put a gun to you, I mean, the international sign of surrender is, all right, you just lift your hands. And what I want us to do is I want us to surrender to God and I, all I want you to do is close your eyes and lift your hands. And I want you to say these words after me. I want everyone in this auditorium to say these words. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you tonight. Lord, there's sin in my heart. But ask that you forgive me. Jesus, come into my life. I want to be a Christian. And I want to follow you from this point forward. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, put our hands together for these people. It's awesome. Awesome. Now... Now understand, it's not just about just a one-off decision, right? Understand that this is, it's, it's a journey, right? There's a journey you're taking. And you know, the best thing for you to do is next time this church opens up, is that you get yourself into this place. Make this church your home. Get alongside the pastors, leaders of the house, and make that happen. It's awesome. Now what we're going to do over here, this guy, this beautiful guy here, has got his hand up. What I want you to do is I want you to follow them. They've got some stuff they want to give you, some Bibles. And uh, they want to just get your details so that they can help you uh, make this commitment that you're making today the greatest journey you're making in your life. So let's put our hands together as they head out this way. Awesome. Awesome. Come on, man. Get excited about it. People are giving their life to Jesus. That's what it's all about.